the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Life is filled with both sunshine and storms. But without God's navigation, souls can easily become spiritually shipwrecked. Anchored in Christ is a weekly broadcast that ministers the scriptures so we can know Christ the Savior and enjoy salvation, security, strength, and stability found only in Him as we set sail through life's marvelous journey. Here's Pastor David Kahiwat. If you have your Bibles, please open it to the book of Mark one more time. We're going to continue in our study of the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter number 1. Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. The scripture says, And they went unto Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Nazareth? Excuse me. Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For what authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they obey him? And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region, Roundabout Galilee. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on this message this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before you right now, we thank you so much for the amazing power and teaching of your word. I just ask now that you would guide and direct us. I pray that you would bless this message, that it would speak to all our hearts. And I ask that you would use me, guide my mind, guide my mouth. And I ask that you would um, let every word and every voice inflection and every gesture be to your honor and glory. And may you be lifted up and exalted in all of it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. On June 6, 1944, more than 150,000 brave young Allied soldiers from America, the United Kingdom, and Canada stormed the northern beaches of Normandy, France, in a bold strategy to push Nazi Germany out of Western Europe and turn the tide of war for good. Many of us know what that day is called. What do we call it? D-Day. And as troops exited amphibious vehicles, as they arrived on shore, Nazi guns were blazing, and many soldiers were bullet-ridden, before they even made it to dry ground. That day, 4,414 Allied soldiers sacrificed their lives for our freedoms. Imagine being one of those soldiers. There are few veterans left from that day who survived that infamous D-Day, 
but each one can testify what it was like to enter into a foreign land and immediately be brought under the barrage of the enemy. Well, as is, as is seen all throughout the Gospels, when Jesus entered this foreign land called Earth, all hell broke loose, and all hell was on the warpath against him. And the barrage of the enemy has not stopped. Last week, as we looked in the Gospel of Mark, we saw how Jesus ignited a dead church from verses 21 and 22. And in verse 22, the response of those within the synagogue was that they were astonished, or as the Greek language understanding is, to be stricken as by a blow, to be amazed. It would be likened as a strike anywhere matchstick where you strike the match and it ignites. That's what the word astonished means. And that's what happened in this place of assembly. And what was it that caused the igniting? It was Jesus Christ igniting a Jewish assembly, the synagogue. We saw that in verse 21, that when he entered the synagogue or place of assembly, his presence ignited the assembly. And then we saw also in verse 21 that he taught, thus his preaching and teaching caused the amazement. And last week we saw in verse 22 that the assembly, a dead assembly was amazed because the power or authority that Jesus demonstrated by his words, by his doctrine, caused them to be ignited. Well, today, as we look at verses 23 through 28, Jesus is still in this very same synagogue. And ironically, after his amazing discourse, the first to make a public response was not a converted rabbi, nor was it a, com a common Jew, but instead, it was a demon. There is something profound about the fact that a demon was the first to respond publicly. The reality is, in any assembly where Jesus Christ is present, there are unseen activities taking place that one doesn't often witness on the surface. On the outside realm, the world went on as if nothing was happening. But in this synagogue, there was a battle raging in the spirit realm between Jesus and an unclean spirit. We're not sure if this interaction took place during Jesus' dynamic teaching or after when the demon cried out. And there are two things that are grossly dismissed in our Western culture today. One, divine authority. And two, demonic activity. Our Western culture was once a God-fearing society, but over the past 50 plus years, divine authority has been replaced with anthropocentric authority in America. This shouldn't come as a surprise though, since Jesus taught a parable describing this very thing. In Luke 19, verses 11 through 14, the Bible says, And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear, he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But... His citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. Even within assemblies who call themselves Christians, 
The preaching of God's word is diluted with man-centered philosophies. And so-called worship is no longer respectfully sacred, but instead a worldly concert masked as Christian gospel. Furthermore, demonic activity has been dismissed in our society today by and large. While there are some assemblies in America who claim of experiencing exorcisms, that form of demonic activity is nothing like the activity that was experienced in the ancient Bible days, nor by missionaries serving in animist Buddhist and Hindu, Hindu cultures and regions in Africa, South America, Caribbean, or New Zealand, New Zealand, where villages are controlled by voodoo and witch doctors, and they reflect the activity that is seen in the scriptures. Our Western culture has its share of Satan worshipers, too, who practice occult rituals. As one theologist wrote, some rock groups and other contemporary music groups over the past few decades have been openly satanic. Yet demonic possession is seldom noted. Evidently, demons rarely show themselves in the same way in the enlightened Western world. But it may also be that the West's anti-supernatural mentality keeps us from recognizing their activity. Whether our culture accepts it or not here in America, divine authority still governs men, and demonic activity is still occurring. We may not see it blatantly in our society like those in the ancient Bible times or in the uh, jungles in in Africa or uh, in the mission field, but spiritual warfare is still happening, ladies and gentlemen. The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That still applies to today. In our passage, the wrestling and warfare took place in the very place of worship where the Jews gathered together. And it can happen in our places of worship today. And so this morning, I'd like to preach to you a message I've entitled, Warfare During Worship. Warfare During Worship. The unclean spirit realm hates the worship of Jesus Christ. And Satan and his demons will try to do anything they can to destroy genuine genuine worship. It could come in the form of getting frustrated in our families while getting ready to head to church. Has that ever happened to anyone besides us? It could be getting distracted from attending church. It could be influencing the mindset against the music or the message against truth being sung or truth being spoken. It could be influencing our minds to daydream and be distracted when we, and where we miss the truth of Scripture. It could be causing distractions during worship or conflicts right before worship begins. My dear friends, we must be cognizant of the often subtle spiritual warfare that takes place leading up and during worship services. And our passage today teaches us what Jesus did when the warfare during worship took place. I want you to see, number one, the teaching of Christ 
elicited a response from the demon, even during worship. Look in verse number 23. The Bible says, and there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. The Bible tells us that within this assembly of worship, the synagogue, there was a man with an unclean spirit, literally a man in an unclean spirit. This was not a mental disability as some would claim today. This was not insanity because demon possession in the Bible was never confused with insanity. Evil spirits were always rational when they spoke. They understood who Jesus was and that he was going to destroy them. Just as the assembly was stunned with amazement at Jesus' authoritative words, just as their mouths were gaped open, just as they were most in awe, this evil spirit screamed. The Bible says it cried out. Can you imagine the fear and shock that ran through those listeners gathered in the synagogue that morning? It was the evil spirit that cried out, not the man. And it wasn't a tiny whimpering cry, but a loud cry that thundered in the synagogue. You know what we can learn from this? That the teaching and doctrine of Christ is hated by the demonic realm. The evil spirit realm knows when assemblies teach the truth and they will do whatever they can to try to cause a stir and divert truth or deceive minds. But fear not, my dear friends, 1 John 4, 4. The Bible says ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Evil spirits are subtly active, possibly even in our midst today. I'm not saying that you're possessed, but evil spirits can come in and cause diversion and distraction. If you are a blood-bought child of God, you cannot be possessed by demons. Why? Because as a Christian, you and I are the temple of the Holy Ghost, and we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In whom you also trusted. After that, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that, you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Secondly, I want you to see that the person of Christ caused fear in the demon. Look in verse number 24. The Bible says, saying, let us alone that we have, uh, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. This cry of the unclean spirit is spontaneous before our Lord had even addressed him. In reality, the preaching and teaching of Jesus Christ had already thrown the whole world of evil spirits into a state of panic. The powers of darkness were beginning to tremble. They resented this intrusion into their domain. They knew and they still know that one greater than their master, Satan, has appeared. 
and they ask, what have we to do with thee? That phrase is a rhetorical question indicating, basically saying, we have nothing to do with you. Though the evil spirit was speaking truth, it was intended to insert mockery at the Son of God. It is revealed that it knew the identity of Jesus Christ. Notice it says there in verse 24, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? To be a Galilean or from Nazareth was an expression of contempt. Do you remember reading in the book of John, chapter 1, when Philip found Nathanael and told Nathanael about Jesus Christ? He said, we have found the Messiah. Uh, and, and Nathanael's reply in John chapter 1, verse number 46, he said, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? It was a contemptible mockery at Jesus. The evil spirit confessed that he knew what his ultimate demise would be. You see, the demon wasn't merely speaking truth, but it was truth with contempt. And he said, art thou come to destroy us? You see, he was afraid of this one that was in his presence. He feared his consequence. And then he knew exactly whom it was that was speaking. He spoke the identity of Jesus Christ. I know who thou art, thou holy one of God. You see, the authority caused him fear, and the identity of Jesus caused him fear. And isn't it interesting that even the evil spirit realm recognizes divine authority and absolutely fears it? Though they may fear it with contempt, they still fear it. Our society is the same way here in America. Our society will acknowledge his identity, but not respect it. It's interesting that for a person to acknowledge and to know the truth of Christ in his person and power and to hate him still, and disregard the Almighty makes it equivalent to an evil spirit. James chapter 2, verse number 19 says, Thou believest that there is one God that doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Evil spirits fear Jesus Christ sadly and tragically more than many people do. Are you one of them? And then thirdly, I want you to see the authority of Christ for submission by the demon. The authority of Christ for submission by the demon. Look in verse number 25 and 26. And Jesus rebuked him saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. Jesus commanded the man to hold his peace and come out. That word, that phrase, hold his peace, literally means to be muzzled. And the authority in the rebuke of Jesus Christ was twofold. Number one, his authority forced submission for the demon to be silenced. That phrase, hold thy peace, was a stern rebuke from the one who had authority, basically commanding the unclean spirit to be quiet. Jesus didn't want the unclean spirit expressing his identity to others for several reasons. He wanted 
to give people the opportunity to come to him and to know him by faith. And Jesus also likely did not want evil spirits represent, uh, uh, representing for him because it falsely gave the impression that they were working together. If Jesus had allowed the demons to speak for him, people might draw the wrong conclusions. And so he silenced them. Hold thy peace. And then secondly, his authority for submission from the demon to depart from the man. He says in verse number 25, and come out of him. When Jesus interacted, remember that he spoke to the evil spirit and not the man. The demon reluctantly submitted in verse number 26. When the unclean spirit had torn him, that phrase torn him means the Greek word is sparaso, which means to cause, to convulse, or to shake. The, the power and authority of Christ prevented any real serious injury to the man. And before the spirit departed, he screamed once again. Were there words said? It doesn't seem to indicate so. But the truth we learn from this is that Jesus Christ is the ultimate authority and even the demons and the devil must submit to his demands. We are not all powerful, but we serve the one who is. He is the one who is in authority of all things. Therefore, we have no reason to fear. We have no reason to doubt. And the last thing I want you to see from this passage is this that the wonder of Christ and his authority and identity produced immediate intentional spread of the work and identity of Christ. In verses 27 and 28 says, and they were all amazed inasmuch that they questioned among themselves saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For what authority commanded he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. There was a debate that took place. We find that those who heard Jesus and witnessed his power and authority began to discuss and dispute, basically this debate, what really happened, and I'm sure they were wondering, who is this individual that even demons obey him? He was the one who created these angels who decided to rebel against him. So he has the authority and power over them that they must obey. And the wonder at Christ's new teaching, his authority and his identity was so amazing that it caused wonder. And the natural result of the authority and identity of Jesus Christ is to spread it out. We know the authority and power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We know his identity. We know who he is. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. We understand that he is the master of our souls. We cannot and should not but help to spread the good news of the authority and the identity of the one who died on the cross for our sins. His person his character, his words and works should naturally result in an overwhelming wonder and amazement to our souls that the very God of heaven would deign to condescend to earth to die on the cross for you and me 
to be buried and rise again from the dead to save poor sinners that sit in our assembly today. That is the wonder of eternities that ought to be spread out like wildfire, just like what happened here in our passage. Verse number 28 says, And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. I close with this. Demonic activity is not limited to obvious visitations and dramatic displays of possession. Can it happen today? Sure. But Paul warned Christians about doctrines of demons infiltrating the church. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, the Holy Spirit, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. The Apostle Paul said that Satan could disguise himself as an angel of light, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 11 through 14. So we must be careful. And through Christ's victory, Christians have power to resist the devil, and he will flee. James chapter 4, verse number 7, Submit thyself also unto the Lord, resist the devil, and he will flee. So God's people can and must boldly go out and declare the eternal salvation Christ offers through the gospel and the great commission, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. The question for the hour is this. Are we submitted to that authority? If you're looking for a church family where you can serve, I'd like to invite you to Anchor Baptist Church of San Diego. We are a Christ-centered, family-oriented ministry located at 8245 Ronson Road, Suite D, San Diego, California, 92111. Our services start on Sunday for Sunday school at 9.30 a.m., and our morning worship begins at 10.45. Then we have a brief time of fellowship before we begin our afternoon service at 12.15 p.m. Our midweek Bible study and prayer time is every Wednesday at 7 p.m. And if you or anyone you know is struggling with a destructive, addictive behavior, Anchor Baptist Church offers an addictions recovery ministry, which is a Bible-based recovery program that provides freedom through the power of God and His Word. This program is called Reformers Unanimous, and we meet every Friday at 7 p.m., also at 8245 Ronson Road, Suite D, San Diego, California, 92111. For more information, visit us at www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org or call us at 619-804-3413. That's 619-804-3413. Anchored in Christ is a radio broadcast supported by donations by faithful listeners like you. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you and you'd like to donate to this broadcast, please visit our website at www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org slash giving and donate to Anchored in Christ radio broadcast. Thank you for listening and may God keep you anchored in Christ. You've been listening to Anchored in Christ with Pastor David Kihiwat. For more information, 
visit anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. Tune in next week at the same time for Anchored in Christ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.